principalities broken, I'm loaning my heart and soul to the game that's here to pay it back. And failure is a motherfucker, the strength to go on and believe in another sucker. Man, 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 it must be Gentlemen's Talk Wednesday. What is the motherfucking deal, people? Of course, it doesn't change. I am still the CEO of Fuck Around and Find Out, also known as FRFO, also known as Mr. Five and Three in Fantasy this past weekend, but we'll get into that conversation later on into the show. So Mr. GQ is here. I am your boy, your friendly neighborhood DJ. Took my two L's this weekend and one in, into DJ Michael B. Y'all already know what time it is. Hey, you know what? Before we dive into something that we we, we got a load of show for y'all, by the way. I wanna I I wanna hit you with something. We don't have a slide for this, but I want to hit you with something because I wanna I wanna run something by you real quick. Right? I'm I'm just saying we're gonna have a blast from the past. And I, I need you're way bigger into MMA than I am, right? So, uh, one of the rivalries that got me into MMA heavy was Anderson Silver versus Shayel Sunny. Mm, the OG so, shit talk for himself. Yes. So I, I was like, man, I don't remember how these fights ended. So I go on YouTube and I look, look at uh, fight one ended in a was it a uh, armbar? Yes, a triangle armbar, and then. The second one, he knocked him out, TKO, mm -hmm. or whatever. That it's a TKO. It's not really a knockout. He just curled up like a baby. It was, it was a TKO because the ref stopped the fight because he didn't actually put yeah. him out cold. So I have never seen so much people in denial on YouTube, bro. All I've seen on YouTube is shout out to the greatest middleweight fighter of all time, Shayel Sonnen. Never lost a round to Anderson Silva. Shayel dominated Anderson Silva for four rounds. Shayel was a better fighter than Anderson Silva. And I'm sitting here like, yeah, in the first fight, he probably did. He won the first four rounds, but he didn't finish the fight. <laughs> I don't care how many rounds you win, dog. You lost. You tapped. Then I go to the, to the second one. They were like, oh, the ref stopped the fight. He should have never stopped the fight. And I'm like, this dude curled up like a baby on the mat. What you mean he shouldn't have stopped the fight? Y'all can't be serious. Just am I missing something? This 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 really caught me by surprise. That shit made my head hurt. That shit made my head hurt. If you fucking chill, son, and apologies, don't get the fuck out of here. And like our parents, you say, go sit your ass down somewhere. Chael Sonnen ain't never been a better fighter than Anderson Silver, and he never will be. Point blank, period. The spider put all eight of them legs on his ass, and there wasn't nothing he could do about it. Oh, he ain't never lost a round to Anderson Silver. Motherfucker, you got TKO'd in the fifth round. That means you lost the fifth round. Fuck you mean. Fuck out of here with that bullshit. You lost but one round that counts. The last one. No. And in the second one, you 100% right. Guess what? You got knocked on the fucking ground, and instead of fighting back and getting back up, your ass curled up and got fucked up. That's why the ref stopped the fight. He saved you from yourself. Because if he'd have let that fight go, Silver would have put your ass asleep and your ass still would have been asleep in 2023. <laughs> Fuck out of here with that shit. You would never be no MMA commentator because your ass still be asleep. Dude, been I'm sleeping telling with Captain you. America when his ass was in that isolate on Thaw, your dumb ass. I just, I, I, as I read the comments on YouTube, I'm just like, 
these these fools can't be serious. Those people are as delusional. As, they're as delusional as Cowboys fans. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like you, you just can't see past certain things. Yes, I'm saying what I said about Cowboys fans because yes, y'all beat the brakes off of my Patriots this past weekend, but it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Well, that's 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 not the issue of Cowboys fans though. <laughs> oh no, it's the it's the level of delusion. It's the level of delusion, but it's okay. Like I said, y'all got us. Hey. A lot, and it's funny. So I had a lot. I had a lot of people coming at me. There's like, hey, look, y'all got to enjoy, you know, twenty years. It is that and the third. And I'm like, yeah. And when we have our bad seasons, have you heard me say anything? No, because I'm not a fucking delusional fan. I'm a realistic, realistic fan. We are not as good as we once were. Our defense is still solid, but we did just lose Matthew Judon to Judon to a torn fucking bicep. We also retraded for J.C. Jackson today because we might lose Christian Gonzalez, who I said was going to be defensive rookie of the year for possibly the rest of the season. So now going into next year. I'm going to have J.C. Jackson and Christian Gonzalez on the same team on opposite sides. I'm still going to have Matthew Judon. And Randy Gregory, you got released today. Come on down to New England, too, my boy, because we can show you for another pass rush. We can build this. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. I didn't know about the J.C. Jackson thing. That shit just happened today. We got him back. Oh, my and, God. Oh, so, you know, how we keep talking about before we got to the from the sidelines version of what we do. You know, how we would talk about our favorite coach, Brandon Staley. Yeah. So this, oh no. Oh, this gets better. So in this trade, which involves some pick swaps, like a fifth round uh, pick swap or whatever, the Chargers are also agreeing to pay the majority of his twelve million dollars salary this upcoming season. So please, please, Tim. <laughs> um, I hate to say it because you know we we don't we don't really get to talk about football in too, too much anymore on, on here. Because by the way. Speaking of that, y'all make sure and tune into Inside the Huddle for all your football news and uh, oh, yeah. some in-depth analysis on Friday. Please tune in because I am playing OG Mail this week in Dynasty, and I'm on your head. <laughs> this is your warning. The same way everybody else gets the warning, so do you. Oh, shit, man. You know what? I am being affected by the bye week, so and I have a banged-up Matthew Stafford, so I'm gambling. I am gambling at the quarterback position in Dynasty, ladies and gentlemen. I am playing Joshua Dobbs this week. I am playing Joshua Dobbs against the Cincinnati Bengals because he gives me more upside than Kenny Pickett will. And I don't like the matchup of the Rams versus the Eagles. Speaking of the, the state, bro, the, the Chargers – The the Chargers are a shit show at this point. Yeah. I, I, my biggest thing with the Chargers, like I, and you heard me say this over and over again, I don't care if Justin Herbert can score 35 points. The defense is no. going to give up 42. I've said that over oh. and over again. I don't care if Justin That's Herbert scores well. 28. <laughs> my bad. I have my other I have my other, dynasty, my other dynasty team mixed up. I have Justin Herbert on bye week, and I have Kenny Pickett that's banged up playing against uh, Baltimore. That's why I'm starting Joshua Dobbs this week. He's starting Justin Fields. We'll see if Justin Fields can can do what can do close to what he did last week. I mean, they, they are playing against the Washington Commanders, which we'll see. Hey, if that pass rush get after Justin Fields, then you know. Say with, with, with Josh Dobbs, I bet he give you more upside than Joe Burrow has given me all season. You're right. And oh, by the way, that trade we talked about yesterday, I I hit accept. So um, Chris Olave and Damian Pierce will be coming to the squad. I will be trading away Derrick Henry, and I am okay with it. And then, like, so I had dropped it in a couple of other fantasy chats I was in. They was like, oh, bro, what the fuck you doing? Da, da, da. I was like, first of all, timeout. 
I have Austin Eckler, I have James Conner, and I have fucking Aaron Jones as my other running backs. I'm not losing anything trading away That's Derrick wrong. Henry. What league is I'm that in? Losing, I'm not losing anything trading away. Derrick Henry gave me one good week out of four. What 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 league is that in? That's my um the one that's one of my other military. This is the this is the ten team PPR keeper league that we're in. Okay, okay, okay. I about to say there's no way in hell you would ever pull that off in the league I was in. Absolutely not, dog. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm not the one that initiated the trade. I no no no. I'm saying with, with you having uh Austin Eckler, uh Derrick Henry, and James Conner, that would have absolutely never happened in the league I was in. Yeah. I drafted James Conner in like the ninth round. That's freaking insane, man! Oh my god, I miss, I miss talking fantasy football, talking football, man. We we just have to, man. But you know what? Before we get to the meat potatoes of our show today, let's pull out the from the sidelines dynasty power rankings. Let's go ahead and get that out the way. Let's see how everybody looks coming into this upcoming week, because. I just thoroughly enjoy the fact that we have access to look at this kind of shit, and it's kind of dope to me. So, let's see here. All right. The Week 5 Power Rankings. Boy, I love this. So, coming in at number 12 is me. Coming in at number 11 is uh, Bush. Number 10, DJ Prime. Uh, number 9 is uh, Sports Talk, which is now Boo Up. Um, number eight is uh, Patriots Easy. Number seven is you. Number six is Moolage. Number five is Troy. Number four is Julius. Number three is Ty. Number two is Willie. And number one is OG Mail. So that is the week five power rankings. So not too bad. Not too bad. Um, pretty good looking stuff. Bruh, I just I have to trade for I'm gonna have to trade away one of my receivers for another quarterback because this is this is getting too embarrassing for Joe Burrow, bruh. I've lost in, every in which league? In in this one. In oh, Buffalo. in the dynasty league. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm going to have to trade. I'm gonna have to make a trade and get another quarterback until Joe Burrow can get it together. Because at this point. Every week I've been, I, I probably except when I, uh, I don't think I beat you in this week. So I think in in every game no. I played this week, I've been favored to win, and I've lost them all by like twenty points, which is quarterback play. So I just, I'm looking at your roster right now. So I have a question, and it's only because I know you because we play in far too many leagues together. This is the only team that you have where you don't have a second quarterback. I had I I forgot I I had uh I forgot I forgot I had another quarterback and I dropped him and I picked up uh I streamed the defense whatever so, defense it was I think it was, I yeah will so tell I definitely you, feel like I'm, this just is, from what I'm looking at right now as far as what's available you've got realistically you've got two options. Both of which would be viable. One of them you would have to – I mean, you could pick them both up. Um, one of them it would be Sam Howell and the other one would be Russell Wilson. Those would be your – those are your kind of options. Now, I say I that because – Russell Wilson least, do, though. 
Well, the only issue with Wilson is he plays the Jets this week. Yeah. And the and Sam Howell, on the other hand, has got the Chicago Bears. Yep. So matchup-wise, I'm just saying, Sam Howell, who did just put up 28 points against Philly's defense, that ain't too bad. I do have – so I do, I do have uh, Bryce Young. That was my back and quarterback in this league with Bryce Young's hurt. Well, no, he not. was. I don't know. He's, no, he's back not. now. He played. He it's, played last Sunday. Yeah, but I'm saying what, the, the week I wanted to play him, he was hurt. And yeah, I was just like, like – Yeah, like I said, like this past Sunday, he, he actually played. Now, I would be mindful of – because they play uh, they play Detroit. And I'm starting Detroit's defense against Carolina because Detroit's defense is stupid. Like, stupid. So just be careful if you're going to play old, old, old Bryce. And speaking of uh, Bryce, I'm going to bring this up on the um, I'm going to bring this up on the football show. I've said this. I've said this. I've stood on this hill and it's coming to completely be true. And I said it. CJ Stroud is the best quarterback in this rookie class. And I said it. Yep. I know the whole Ohio State thing. I got it. I said it pre-draft. I said it. C.J. Stroud is the best quarterback coming out of this draft. C.J. Stroud is number two amongst rookies all time in his first four games with yards thrown, has not thrown an interception yet, and has looked damn good with an offensive line that has been up and down. Thank goodness. that. And, and what's good about that is that their line is far, starting to finally get healthy. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that means good for him, good for Damian Pierce. You know, good for Dalton Schultz, you know, and, and Nico Collins and your boy was it Tank Tank Dale? Tank Dale, that's his name. Yeah, man. Damn you, Julius. Damn you. Nah, fuck that. Whoever had Nico, Nico balled the fuck out last week. I had Nico in uh I think in Bones League, in CJ's league, is where I got Nico. Granted, in the Dynasty League, I'm doing pretty good in that one. I mean, you doing? You killing that league? Like I'm, I am, I'm, I'm on the struggle bus just a wee bit. Um, you are killing that, sitting in second. Um, you have scored five hundred and seventy nine points so far in that league. Ironically, I've scored five hundred and seventy, but I'm in ninth place. So, yeah, because people, people just they sh they're showing out against you. I don't even know these people. <laughs> they're showing out against you. And I don't know. Oh, Mike Evans is on bye week this week. Yep. I'm happy I've about I am going to who you are playing. Uh I think I'm sure I'm I'm a Camaro ball out last week. So that, that, I might I might uh I might put the album Camaro in just to see. Oh no, I got Nico Harrison this week too. I mean I Nico, I got Najee Harrison this week. Oh man. Yep. I don't know if you take Najee Harris out or not. I... Yeah, I'm playing the I'm playing the backup commissioner. In that league this week, um, this is the only league where I'm gambling with. That's right. This is the one I have Matthew Stafford, but I don't know if I like the matchup. I tell you what, I tell you who I'm not starting. He practiced fully. I thought Matthew Stafford was gonna be banged up. Damn. Hey, I tell you one person I'm not starting this week is Dak Prescott against San Francisco. But guess who I have as the backup quarterback in this one? C.J. Stroud. Good, he's got a good matchup. So Stafford practice today. Damn. Zay Jones been balling out. I might. I tell you what, I might play Matthew Stafford. I, I now it's between Matthew Stafford and Justin Fields because I'm absolutely not playing Kenny Pickett this week. But also <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it today, but they activated uh Cooper Cup. He's in his 21-day window. 
So if Cooper Cup plays along with Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell and and Kyron Williams, I just might I just might play Matthew Shepard. Is that some firepower that really might not be ready for it? Cooper Cup plays for uh, is it Pittsburgh? The Rams. The Rams. Oh man. You know, and and he's sitting in my IR spot in CJ League. Wow. And you see what I've been doing in that league. Yep. So get, hold on real quick. All right. Oh, DJ Mike be done hurt something. So as y'all can see, it has been a it's been a hell of a good time. We've been balling out of control. Um these dynasty leagues are getting crazy. This is our first year, both of our first years doing dynasty. So this has been like a it's been a fun experience. Just trying to learn the the ins and outs of this game. And like you're trying to be like competitive, but at the same time, you're like you're trying to be mindful of how old some of your players are. And you know, you're starting, you gotta think ahead. You're like, all right, which rookies don't want to drop in my taxi spot to keep up for later, you know which young players don't want to kind of, you know, invest in because eventually, you know, your veterans are going to kind of be out of there. So it's like trying to find that healthy balance. And of course this year, everything is off with, with Aaron Rodgers being out, which messes up the value of like a Garrett Wilson and a Brees Hall and even an Alan Lazard actually potentially. Um, of course, you know, with, with the whole, you know, with the Jonathan Taylor thing, we don't know what's going on with that. Um, the ineptitude of Atlanta. So you guys like Drake London and Kyle Pitts are not getting near the uses they should, but Bijan is getting some usage. So, um, but there's a lot of promising young players coming up in the, you know, for the next few years. So it's, it's been good to watch. Um, was telling the people about our experience in dynasty thus far. And just, oh, I still the, have the headphones and I can hear you just couldn't oh, hear okay. me. Got yeah. you. So DJ Michael B was handling some business, but anywho, we've taken care of all that. Let us get to why you are here today. First yeah. things first, we are going to talk about NXT No Motherfucking Mercy. I told DJ Michael B after I finished it because he was DJing. I was like, bro, you got to watch it. I said, bro, you got to watch it. I ain't going to tell you nothing. I just need you to watch it. And speaking of that, I noticed something. We're missing the person. Who's at the Who's at Pop House with me? Talking all that hot shit. Talking about I'm going to be here. Head ass. Oh, head ass, man. Anywho, so after you finally caught up and you were texting me all your reactions, what was what were your overall thoughts, feelings, and reactions to NXT No Mercy? NXT No Mercy could have been either a Raw or SmackDown pay per view because it was just as good as the, as the main roster pay per view. Especially that championship match with Dragunov and Carmelo Hayes, bro. Now I don't know how to say his first name. Ilya. I tried to. Yeah, I I, I couldn't I, I couldn't get it. But man, I got you, man. It's Ilya off. I'm here for you. I, I, I was a shut up. <laughs> um, uh, I think one. I think a a, a a slept on match. Not slept on by us, but a match that you're not going to hear much about. Cause you know a lot of people was really into the Dirty Dom, Dirty Dom, Trick Williams match, but the oh. Becky Lynch versus uh, Tiffany was was fantastic. I have to say, going into that match, I was absolutely not a fan of Tiffany Stratton. I didn't like her. I watched I watched her stuff prior to Becky Lynch coming down to NXT, and I just wasn't a fan. 
and I was talking to one of my mentors. We were texting. We we're both big WWE. We were, we were texting during the during the match, and I was like, Tiffany Stratton earned some respect off me because she just she she displayed what I guess I didn't see the WWE saw in her, which was her 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 level of strength, the athleticism, and the fact that that match was an extreme rules basically match. These two women put on a hell of a show. Yep. The fucking when she missed that fucking moonsault onto them chairs, I was like, oh, like that match was sensational. For a, for that was one of the better women's matches we've had in WWE. Like, Bruh, I tell you, you know what match it was definitely better than like that damn WrestleMania triple threat shit that they put on. We ain't gonna talk about that. We just not gonna talk about that. But um, yeah, no, like there were next to no botches in that match. Like it was a very solid, very clean match. Like it had a slow start. And I think it's because the what I've noticed when it comes to the, the women's matches as opposed to the men's matches, there's a there's a the feel-out period is very noticeable in the women's matches. Whereas like the guys kind of get kind of right into the action. And it's like yep. it, so it makes it look a little weird, but like after about the first minute and a half of the um of that match, it really, you know, it really kicked in. Um, that's random. Um, OG Mail is calling. Let me see what's up. Yeah, so um, y'all, uh, I I was not a huge NXT fan, but here recently I've really dove into it very much. So, um, Becky and Tiffany was a for me an all world match, one of the better matches we've had in WWE. Like you said, for, for women matches, Tiffany displayed. Some crazy strength, some crazy athleticism. I thought she sucked for a long time. Apparently, I was wrong because I didn't. I sat here and was like, she's not good. And she's, and hell, she stepped up to the plate and she put on a hell of a match. I will give her her props today. Mm -hmm. I, I mm -hmm. have to give her yep. her ultimate props today. And it's like, as much as I want to talk about the Dom and Trick Williams match. It was completely watered down because of Tuesday. Yes. But before we get to Tuesday, there was another match that went under the radar, and that was Braun Breaker and fucking Baron Corbin. Holy well, shit. That was a hard-hitting-ass match. Like, that was a hell of a match. Like, I love what – I love that, like, okay, a guy like Baron Corbin comes down from the main roster to NXT, and it's like he's right at home. And, you know, we mm -hmm. thought the same thing would happen with a guy like Dolph and a guy like Ali, but unfortunately they both got fired or released or whatever word you want to use. Um, I think I think Dolph and I think Dolph and Ali both could have absolutely done the same thing that Baron Corbin's doing now, because before the Trick Williams Dom match even happened, it was originally Ali versus Dom. Yeah. So unfortunately, it looks like if I'm reading the tea leaves correctly, they followed the same storyline. Because it looks like even if Ali had been still in WWE and won that match Saturday, he was going to lose the belt on that Tuesday. Because mm -hmm. fast forward to Tuesday, and actually, I digress. Actually, no, we'll talk about Tuesday and we'll go back to Monday because there was some good shit happening on Monday Night Raw too. But on Tuesday, we got to see Triple H and Shawn Michaels' true vision. Because you got... Big time backs doing the damn thing on NXT for however long she's gonna be there, bolstering. They're using the they're using the former NXT superstars from the main roster to come back down to completely boost NXT. And it's beautiful because 
everything that Becky's doing is literally just she's putting these girls over because, like I said, I've said this and I still think that NXT is one of the best women's divisions in wrestling point blank period. There's so many stars. Even Indy Hartwell came down from Raw to partake in this triple threat match that went down on Tuesday with um Roxanne Perez and um damn her name draws the other the other Irish the other Irish um Irish superstar that's a big fan of Becky Lynch. Great match. Um, but I want to get to something else that happened here. And and this is how you knew something fucked off was gonna happen. The interaction between Dom, Trick Williams. Carmelo Hayes, Ilya Dragunov, and um, and all these guys. When this whole interaction went down, Dom basically spoiled the script because as soon as Melo was like, "Just like you've always had my back, I got your back. You know, I'll be in your corner for your match tonight." Dom me like, "Oh, trick. Thought you was six foot four, two hundred and forty pounds, and yet you're still in the shadow of Carmelo Hayes." Exactly what he said. Playing into the, yep. you know. He literally gave us the script of how the match was going to go. Because you got, you played with that man's ego, which you told us, all right, basically he going to get into his own head and be like, nah, I got this by myself. Knowing that Rhea Ripley was still going to be there and going to play a role and look what the fuck happened. That man had one of the shortest title reigns we've ever seen. That man's title reign was two days long, 48 hours. No, 63 hours. Got to take into account what happened prior to Tuesday at 7 o'clock. So 63 hours was this man's title reign. That's short as fuck. And I love Trick Williams. I love the whole the whole whoop that trick thing. I think I told you about it. And then when you finally see it, like, oh, that shit is fucking fire. Like, yep, yep. I've never like the way the WWE universe latches on to certain things, like that right there is huge. Like it is. I don't know what it is about it. They all got the sign. Whoop that! I'm like, bro, this shit is fucking dope. Like, it's it's fucking yep. dope. But Terrence Howard lives it, on. It did. But here's what I loved about we talked. I'm talking about Triple H and Shawn Michaels' vision. Now next week you got Braun Breaker versus Carmelo Hayes again. This is because these are the two stars that should have already gone to the main roster, but they decided to stay in NXT to continue building NXT. The match is going to be so big. John Cena is going to be in Carmelo Hayes' corner, and I don't know if y'all caught the end of this, but in the corner of Braun Breaker is Paul Heyman. Oh, damn. So we got us some underlying storylines building up for the future, which means Braun Breaker probably at some point is going to be a Paul Heyman guy. Here's why I say this. Because they're building up like, oh, Paul Heyman's just coming down to be in the corner to, you know, to put John Cena on notice about the bloodline. No, no, no. We know one thing about Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman ain't stupid. Paul Heyman ain't stupid. At some point, the bloodline well, Triple will H wouldn't make it that obvious. <laughs> no. At some point, the bloodline will not be what the bloodline is. Paul Heyman is not going anywhere anytime soon. If Paul Heyman takes a guy like Braun Breaker, or even a guy like Carmelo Hayes, I think both of them would be phenomenal guys underneath Paul Heyman, if I'm being completely honest. They're instant megastars. Either of them. They really are. Either of them. Most definitely. Like, it would be brilliant. So, but I can see it with Braun because Braun is not as good on the microphone as Carmelo. Carmelo Hayes is very charismatic and very talented all by himself. He's a generational talent in WWE. Braun yep. Breaker is a multi-generation because of the Steiners as his dad. You know, Big Pop Pump's his dad. Rick Steiner is his, his, his uh, uncle. All this stuff like that. A lot of people don't know that. I did not know that. He's a, Braun Breaker is a Steiner. It makes a lot more sense. 
he but he he when he when he moved over when he became a wrestler he said I did not want to take up the Steiner mantle I wanted to be my own man that's why he is Braun Breaker yeah but but Scott Steiner is his dad huh. yeah I didn't know he was a, if you yeah. look at if you look at Braun's face he looks he looks just like Scott he looks just like him like he really does he looks like him just he has black hair as opposed to the blonde hair he looks just like him though I gotta look this up. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, try, I try to look at it like I can see his face, but man, I just got to like that's come on. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah, spitting image. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't believe I never I never put that together. That's crazy. Um, yeah. NXT NXT. I know it's the developmental. I developmental. Uh. I don't. I don't, I don't think it's that much of a. I, don't, I really don't think it's a. It's a developmental anymore. They're really pushing it as that, its own. That's what as, I was going, own, as the third brand. That's what I was going to say. Like it, it's it, it. It was supposed to be a develop developmental league, but NXT got true stars on it right now. Like people that can that should be on the main roster, and they're not going to the main roster. They they're choosing like. You're right. <laughs> it's a third brand. Like. Let's go. Prime, what it do, baby? Prime, Hey, no, are you right though? Not, no. Tiffany Stratton definitely is a good chance she's gonna get called up. Um, oh, here goes some more. Were you guys geeked when The Rock returned? Oh, we ain't even got to that part yet. But I, as a as a massive fan, lost my shit when that music played. But I also kind of knew it was gonna happen because I had already watched um college game day when they were all in Colorado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pat McAfee was there. Like I was like. Hey, WWE is also in Colorado. Hmm. If WWE yeah. is going to do something, it will be on a night like this. So, uh oh, look, she actually was a Burrow fan too, by the way. I'm a Burrow fan when it comes to fantasy. I'm a Houston Texans fan. I'm a Burrow yeah. fan. I'm a Burrow fan when it comes to fantasy. I wasn't. I was not a Burrow fan in college because he played for LSU, and I don't like LSU. Fair enough. I don't care. I don't care about the Cincinnati Bengals. Like. Mm -hmm. But I also know a good player. When I say I'm a, I'm a fan of good players, great players. I like yeah. to watch good football. Joe Burrow has not been doing that. Yeah. So, um, I gotta find it. Um, there was one other thing because I want to get into. Well, I'm gonna get into the raw recap too, but I also want to pull up. Um, I think it was. No, it was this one. Hold on. It was like a big deal. Um, that's right. Yeah. So Raw is gonna leave USA. Like they're not gonna be on USA anymore. So after October of 2024, neither one will be. Which is kind of weird because apparently, um, SmackDown was supposed to be moving back to USA away from Fox. Yeah. So it's like I don't know. There's a lot of up in the airs when it comes to that. But if, I mean, but if all three of them stay on USA, like they'd be pretty fired too. But I want to get into Raw because, but the the final points on NXT is NXT is finally being built as that third brand because so many stars are now going back and forth. A lot of main roster stars from Raw and SmackDown are coming down to NXT, bolstering it, doing great things, and it's really helping put that talent on Front Street. So Triple H, Paul Levesque. If you're listening, especially with this Endeavor merger, I need you to do this. 
All right. You did it one time. And it was one of the greatest things you've ever done. Bring back the triple brand Survivor Series. Raw yes. versus SmackDown versus NXT. Please yes. bring it back. The one time y'all did it, time to do it. it was one of the greatest Survivor Series we had in a very long time. Because Triple H got to lead his own brand at the time, which was NXT. And all these big guys, Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, Tommaso Ciampa, like yep. all these, Shayna Baszler. Like you brought all these cats with you and you gave Raw and SmackDown legitimately a run for their money. Becky Lynch got her nose all busted up by Nia Jax at the time. Like this is when the man was created. Like that one instance, like the Raw shirts, the SmackDown shirts, the NXT invading each other's shows. Bro, that shit was epic. That shit was fucking epic. It Invasion era vibes, man. It was it, it, beautiful. It was, it was it was beautiful when NXT came in and, and took SmackDown over for that Friday. That was some of the dopest shit I'd ever seen. So please bring it back. Please. I agree. That that's probably the best Survivor series in in the past decade. Like, like it, 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 yeah. And great. what's crazy? So you know how um you know how like the the War Games pay per view is now on the main roster, right? You know that came from NXT, right? Yeah, NXT's War I do Games. know that one. NXT's War Games was so good. See, War Games, you could absolutely do it as all three brands. As big as that ring is, hey man, put everybody in that motherfucker. I don't give a fuck. But let's get on to Raw. I want to recap it. Um, they've got some interesting things they're building with Gunther because at some point Gunther's gonna drop this title. Yeah, because Gunther's gonna be in the world title picture, and it may come down to like him versus LA Knight in the Royal Rumble, and he ends up winning the Rumble, which I think is highly possible. Or they I mean, he lasted, he lasted from two all the way to the end this yeah. past uh, Rumble. So. That or this is how they're going to have Cody get into the main event and have him win the Rumble. But I think Gunther's going to do it. But now you've got Tommaso Ciampa in the, main, in, the, in the Intercontinental title picture. You already had Chad Gable. And weirdly enough, we had a – I don't know the word I'm looking for. We had a, a shocker because all of a sudden – you had um, what's his name? You had Johnny Gargano reappear. Ain't been on TV in forever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Johnny Gargano, which is another another NXT staple. But yeah. It was just I don't know. So now you're talking about potentially a fatal four way match coming up, possibly, which would be the best way for Gunther to lose the title because I don't think him losing it in a one on one match is the best. Unless it's Chad Gable because that's he's the only person that would just kind of really kind of Them. push what I what I'm hoping. And and I love it because what they're doing for Chad Gable is what I wish they would have done for like a guy like Kurt Angle. Like they're really giving kudos and credit to a to a to a pure wrestler. Yep. Because it, it does take someone like a pure wrestler to go toe-to-toe with somebody like a Gunther. Gunther is a very experienced technical. He's just a bigger, he's like if Daniel Bryan was 6'5. He's a bigger yeah. technical wrestler, but he's, he's powerful. People so forget need, Gunther, Gunther used to be big. And by the way, Gunther was, uh, Gunther was fat. Uh, another product of NXT, because <laughs> like, he was fat on NXT UK, man. Yeah, that man, him, him and him and freaking um Braun Strowman. People forget Braun was big too, and now Braun yep. big. Speaking of uh, speaking of Gunther and and the, the IC, the the match that him and Ch- uh, Champa, Tommaso Champa had fire. At, I, mean, right. I didn't really like. I didn't really care about the ending too much. I was like, okay, Tommaso Champa has been my favorite NXT star. When I watched NXT, I looked for Tommaso Champa because he was the NXT champion for a very long time. 
he called that title Goldie. That man was obsessed with that belt. Like, his whole, like, everything about his character is, like, perfect. I don't know why. He, he kind of, like, he's obsessive, but he's obsessive over the belt. But he loves I think his character. I think his character relates and conveys so well because I think that's who he is in real life. I don't think he's playing a character on TV. I think he's just being himself. Yeah. Not to mention, for a man in his in his upper forties, that man is built as shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like, that man is uh, People people might have forgotten, but they put on an absolute one of the best matches on Raw I've seen in a while, and they had another match like that in NXT that was a freaking banger. They did when Gunther was known as Walter. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, other than that, other things that I want to kind of look at from Raw, um, I don't. I think we I think we're about to see a heel turn because you had the Miz versus Drew McIntyre and I think we're about to have Drew McIntyre do a heel turn. I think that's what's coming. I think that's what's needed. I think his days of a face, I think he's got to he's got to he's got to tone that shit down. I think he needs to become a heel because I I think it'll work for him at this stage in his where he's at now. He's losing a lot of steam as a face cuz they're not doing any yeah. kind of a push for him. So I think it's definitely time for a heel turn for him. Uh we talked about Gunther and Tommaso Ciampa. Um, other than that, like overall, Raw was kind of lackluster. I mean, you had it like was. Xavier Woods versus Ivar, like they're back on this New Day versus the Viking Raiders shit because either they're really just buying time till Big E comes back or they just have no idea what to do with the New Day. Um, so I don't know, but I'm looking forward to what we got this weekend, which we have got fastly. So What'd she say? She said, I'm looking at the roster and Apollo Crews looks like Terry Oh my God. <laughs> it's not just because their name is the same. Because I don't I don't really think they favor, but but I, I, mean, I guess I both see maybe they're related somewhere. Hell if we know. But um we'll talk about one of the more in compelling matches for this upcoming pay-per-view, you've got John Cena and now his partner, L.A. Knight, versus the Bloodline in Solo, Sokoa, and Jimmy Uso. So this match is very interesting because Roman has not been on TV for quite a while now. And Jimmy's been kind of trying to play it like he's the tribal chief, and now Solo's kind of been doing the same thing. I have a feeling that they're going to lose this match, and it's going to get real interesting. Real fast for the bloodline. I think so too. Um, I just, I think Roman will probably make an appearance at Fastlane. Probably won't. Probably won't wrestle. Probably won't interfere with nothing. Will probably just make an appearance and can and probably just confront Jimmy. Um, you know he done eased his way back into the bloodline. If that's what you want, he got, he forced his way back into the bloodline. But I yeah. mean, <clears throat> which it, I don't know. It's so weird. It, it does. It does feel weird because I'm like, I don't know how to feel yet because of how it happened. You know, you betrayed your twin brother and you cost him what was going to be the biggest win of his career. I was just like, I don't know. There's eventually going to be more to this story. But the match I'm got, I've got circled on this card is the World Heavyweight Championship match between Seth Rollins and Shinsuke Nakamura. Because it's a, so one because it's a last man standing match, which means they are going to beat the absolute dog shit out of each other. 
That's the first part. Here's the second part, though. This is the part that I, some people are thinking about. Some people are like, eh. Um, I think the winner of that match, Damian Priest is cashing his, his title in. I think he's cashing in on that match. Because that's the perfect opportunity. It's a last man standing match. Both guys are going to be beat to shit. And this is their way of being able to write Seth off of TV for a little bit because he's got to go finish filming Captain America anyway. Because for some reason, for people who don't know, Seth Rollins is playing a villain in the upcoming Captain America movie. So yeah. there's still some filming that needs to be wrapped up now that the, the writer strike is essentially-ish over. So things are starting to ramp back up. So she said, that sounds like Tekken. <laughs> and a twin. Oh, Lord. Yeah, the Usos are twins, Amora. In case you, you know, I'm, I'm here for you, though. But <laughs> I'm here for you, though. But that, but that, those are my, that's my thoughts. Though, as I think this is going to be the time for Damian Priest to cash in. The only issue now is, what the fuck do you do after this? Because the Judgment Day have a tag title match as well. Damian Priest and Finn Balor have to go head to head with Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso. So, are they going to drop the tag titles? And is Priest going to be the champ, or is? The, the, the judgment day going to have damn near all the gold. Well, I, I absolutely don't know, but I mean, there's always the Damian Priest could cash in and Jimmy or solo interfere with the judgment day, <laughs> or or uh, Jay makes an appearance in the face of the Judgment Day. Like, I don't know. I don't That's highly possible because that match is going to be at the end of the night. But I'm just, I'm also just ready for them to split the tag titles. I think we have enough tag teams to split the belts back. Like, I really do. I think we have enough to split them, split them both. And, like, and here, here's, here's the question as well. Um, What's next with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens? Nothing, because they're not even on this pay-per-view. I mean, right, because, I mean, like, they, you know, Kevin Owens made the comment yesterday that, um, how did it go? Well, it doesn't, I don't care about the match, because whoever wins the match, we're coming for them next, and I'm just like, y'all got, y'all got to do something at this point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, but... We also have the match that I'm not looking forward to. And it's not because of the competitors in the match. It's because I worry how WWE is going to write this one. And it is the women's championship match between EO Sky, Asuka, and Charlotte Flair. My problem oh, with this match is very simple. WWE is gifting Charlotte far too many goddamn title runs. They're trying to set it up because, in my opinion, John Cena should have broke Ric Flair's title streak a long time ago. They're they're forcing Charlotte to break it down our throat. This would be Charlotte's 14th world title. She's three away. Cena's one away. Cena's one away. It, it, it's very, very, very annoying. It like, is very it's, annoying. And it's like if Charlotte doesn't have a title, it's like she's not relevant on TV. And it's like, so she can do nothing else. She just she can only be a champion. She's not putting anybody over. None of these things. I hope they don't take the belt off of EO Sky yet. 
we've been talking about this. Me and DJ Prom have been talking about this, how WWE has been terrible about booking foreign champions. And listen, I follow EO Sky on a couple of social media platforms. She has gone to her home country with this title. The fanfare is phenomenal. Like the support for her is, is huge. So I'm hoping that EO Sky wins this match because one, it features Oscar, who was undefeated at one point, and of course, who broke her undefeated streak, fucking Charlotte. And then there's Charlotte. I would love for her to win this match because it would be the ultimate nod for EO Sky. Or it's going to be a situation where somehow, someway, Bailey's jealousy finally kicks in and she, you know, interferes in this match because it's a triple threat match, which means there's no disqualification. That's what that means. So, well, so damage control could legitimately play a role in this match. So could Nia Jax, would, who's been fucking everybody say, up in the uh, community. I would say if they're going to screw over EO Scott, I beg of Triple H, Shawn Michaels, or whoever is writing the script on this. I beg of you, please do not let Charlotte Flair win this. I will be perfectly fine if Oscar wins if EO Sky doesn't win. I would love to see EO Sky win and continue her championship reign. Yeah. But if she wants to lose, do not let it be Charlotte Flair. She's it's ridiculous at this point. She does absolutely nothing besides compete the championships. Yeah. Like you've got to let her do like as big of WWE fans as we are. The Rock wasn't fighting for championships all the time. Stone Cold wasn't fighting no. for championships all the time. Cena, Edge, Undertaker, these guys weren't fighting for titles all the time. They we still had some dope They had compelling ass stories. This the title stories were just that much better. But they still were relevant without titles. Like, yep. and this is again, but this is again, this goes back to why I still believe the argument is that the women need a mid-card title. Yes. They need at least one. I don't care if it's split between Raw and SmackDown. They need a mid-card title because you've only got the tag titles, which are eh, and then you've got the Raw and the women's SmackDown champions. Like, that's it. Like, that's it. You've got to have at least one mid-card title. You've got you you have so many you have so many women between all three of these brands that you can afford one mid even if that one mid-card title is between all three brands. At least Flash. it at least it adds a another nod of respect to the women and it gives those those mid-card women that will never be in the main event picture something to fight for. You know, eventually and, you know you're about have to have like, I don't they have don't a problem have a with they, boost. Yeah. And I hate that. Like, also, like, I wouldn't have a problem if you gave Raw, SmackDown, and NXT their own women's mid-card title. Just like you've got the Intercontinental and the U.S. title, like, give, and the North American Championship. You only need one. One per show. Because you have that many women to where you can, you can make the argument that each show deserves a mid-card title for the women. Because now you've got, you know, Nia Jax is back. Now Jade Cargill is signed. Like, you've got to give these women something to fight for than just the ultimate prize because not everybody can get a shot at the ultimate prize. And not everybody can hold the tag team. They have yet to put out a, a women's tag team that has been believable to where we're like, all right, that's that's who's the most dominant women's tag team we've ever seen? Most You can't name one. The Bella Twins come to mind. But who else? No, for real. The Bella Twins are the most dominant women's tag team we've had. Damage control? I don't. But that's a that's a that's a trio. Well, we, I mean, well, we've so. never had we've never had enough dominant women's tag teams to have this discussion. Well, but we know the Bella Twins because they were doing it for so long. 
So I'm saying, what you can call it if they would have if they would have never walked out would have would have done some damages. Uh, tag champion Sasha and uh Naomi, but you know the whole walkout thing happened and yeah. But I'm, you're right. Um, the women's tag team ain't doing it, and they need essentially a workhorse title because, like, yes, I knew. Granted, I knew who Gunther was, and I thought he was pretty good. But him holding this intercontinental title boosted him so much. John Cena had the U U.S. Championship and boosted the merit of the U.S. Championship. Mm-hmm. If Eos guy is your champion right now, and somebody like hell, uh, let's say Becky Lynch, for example. Becky Lynch has whatever you would essentially name your mid card, your mid card title. Becky Lynch is there every week, any damn way. Exactly. <laughs> She's always there. So you need a championship belt like the Intercontinental. Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair. Even this would have been the perfect opportunity for somebody like Natalia, who's been there forever, who's put every woman over except herself. Yep. Like, give her that mid-card time. Let her be the longest reigning of whatever the fuck it is. Because why not? Because she's been there so long, and she's been almost there all these times. And she just gets shit. She gets shit on Another one of those technical wrestlers that doesn't get the proper, you know, due, especially one from the Hart family of all the one of the most legendary wrestling families. And she gets she's an afterthought. And it's yeah. not her fault. But now she's a she was a heel. Now she's a face again. Like she was a part of a tag team. Like she's they just keep throwing her everywhere. Or you know what? Bring yeah. her back down to NXT. Let her go ball the fuck out of NXT. I tell you, a person I would have nominated to hold a mid-card title a decade ago in the women's division. Would have been Beth Phoenix. Beth Phoenix would have acted a fool as a mid Yeah, but Beth Phoenix had the women's title for a long ass time. So she did, and that's what I'm saying. A lot of them. I mean, you don't want the same person always holding the belt because it's the only thing. Think about think about during the Attitude Era though. Think about women like women like freaking like uh, like Emma. Yep. You know. Or even like um at a point in time, like you know, we knew we had Tori Wilson who's way up here. What about Stacey Keebler? Stacey, Stacey Keebler could have had the, the, the mid-card title. Jackie could have had the mid-card title for a while. It, yeah. Like Attitude Era was loaded with women. Yeah, and now I mean now it's just not the case. Like whenever whenever Trish Stratus and Lita weren't fighting each other, one of them could have had that mid-card title. Yep. But you know they would have gave it, they would have gave they would have let it would have been more significant to me if Steph would have it would have been more believable if she would have won a mid-card title instead of the actual yes. But see, and this, <laughs> yeah, that would have been this mid-card title would have been perfect for somebody like Ronda Rousey to build her up. Yeah, as opposed to just throwing her into the world title scene. And that's when there, there's no stepping stone for the women. No, so at all. Yeah. It's just like, oh, you're gonna do the main event. Oh, but you're not charismatic enough. Oh, you're not fan favorite enough oh you're not heel enough like well no shit everybody's not main event material and that's not a knock on them there are just those who are in tier one and there are those who are in tiers two three and four that's okay because guess what? well look realistically right let's let's play this game when the shield first came into wwe roman was a tier three star yeah. seth was a tier one star dean ambrose was a tier three tier two star roman was terrible on the mic he was just another big bruiser guy he worked. He got his. He got better on the mic. He got more charismatic. He didn't slip up on fucking promos and stuff anymore. Now he's a tier one and then some star. But he built up. He won the tag titles. He won the U.S. championship. He fought with Cena and The Rock and got his ass humbled a few times. 
but he learned. Look at him now. That is not the same Roman Reigns from 2011, 2012. The big dog's yard. Hey, I ain't gonna lie. The big, hey, first of all, the big dog was fine. I loved it. Because it came after he beat the Undertaker, so I thought it. I enjoyed it. Obviously, the Tribal Chief. Like there's, yeah. I just thought that he beat Undertaker at WrestleMania. Yeah, but it wasn't as meaningful though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's why I'm like. And you know, we were sitting at my house when when the streak was broken, and you know, we're still heartbroken by that. I think had Roman broken the streak. It wouldn't. It wouldn't have been as bad as it is now. Because now it was just like a your your star is falling now. Like your your guy has fallen now because you lose. You went undefeated for so long that you lose back to back years because you lose to Brock because that's what Vince wanted. Because Brock didn't want to break the streak, but that's what Vince wanted. And then you go against Roman, and everybody's like, "Okay, Undertaker's going to win this match." And then Roman wins, and we're like, "Why the hell did y'all just wait until this year to let Roman break the streak?" Because now it's like exactly. it's just not as beautiful. Yeah. Um. Last but not least, the match that I 100% had circled is the Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits versus Rey Mysterio, Santos Escobar, and Joaquin Wilde. Or the LWO, however you want to look at it. Or the Hurt, you know, the Hurt Profits, whatever you want to But I'm looking forward to that match. I think it's going to be a great match. It should be a very hard-hitting, should be a high-flying, should be just... Everything that I needed to be because I need to see Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits take the next step. Because if you're going to build them into the next dominant trio or dominant faction, however you want to put it together, this is the way to do it. Question now becomes, will they add a Trick Williams or a Carmelo Hayes to the mix? I really hate WWE for, for the whole Street Profits thing. You built them up over and over and over again just to lose to the Usos. Time and time and time again is just like at some point they needed to win. Because I mean, we had the Usos and New Day for the longest time. Phenomenal matches, but they both won. Yep. But you never gave the Street Profits that chance to do that. And they've got everything you need to be that next type of tag team. Like you've got freaking like I said, dude, Montez Ford's phenomenal on the microphone, extremely charismatic, extremely athletic. And Angelo Dawkins has gotten better. Yep. Like, and they were the perfect one-two punch. Like, they complemented each other very well. Everything about them was great. And you can't say they weren't over with the crowd because they definitely were. Because when they pulled out, when the fucking Solo Cups was flying, oh, yeah, they was in that thing. Yep. Yep. So there's that. Um, so that's that's how we look for Fastlane. Um, I've got, like I said, I've got Cena in LA Knight. Um, I actually have. So I've got. Shinsuke winning that match and then getting getting uh, cashed in on. Um, I've, I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna stick with the champ. I think EO Sky wins his match as much as I'm concerned about that. Um, I think Judgment Day is gonna retain via controversy, and and I think Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits pull it off. I think Judgment Day is going to retain, and I think if Damian Priest tries to cash in on Shinsuke, I'm going to maintain that either Jay Uso or Cody Rose is going to interfere because they're going to be mad they lost. Um, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with John Cena and LA Knight. I just don't. You know that John Cena has lost, he has not won a pay-per-view match in like almost two years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. Like, and he, LA Knight, he, he LA Knight is way too, he's way too hot right now to lose. Yeah. WWE would make a big mistake if they lost his momentum. 
Uh, yeah, because I, I think he needs all that momentum because we got Survivor Series coming up after this. So now, I think John Cena and LA Knight will win. I don't think they're going to win by pinfall, though. I just feel like they're going to have Jimmy Uso snap and use use the weapon because that's pretty much what he's been doing. Yeah. Um. That or you know, I, hey, who, who knows, man? AJ Styles may come back and interfere in this match because they did take him out. They took out a couple of people. You know, solo yeah. and Jimmy prior to this match, so those guys can make reappearances, and you know, cause some trouble. So you know, we'll we'll see. I am I am definitely excited for the for the hurt prop is hurt business, whatever you want to call them, and right. the, the LWO. I'm I'm I think that's going to be the match of the night. I do. So yeah, fast lane preview. This should yep. be great. Well, I know where you're going to be Saturday. <laughs> yes, 100%. We will be together for that. So, in case y'all didn't catch that, we will be together yeah. watching Fast Lane at the crib because it's going down. So, be prepared for that. Exactly. Yeah, because I'm going to be in the same place. So, to get to now that we've covered all of our WWE stuff, we've gotten our, our, our NXT stuff, we've gotten all of our fixes in, we've had some absolute shit go down in this world. <laughs> So much so that we have not one, but two real talk segments. That shit is crazy. That shit is crazy. Because guess what? Sometimes some of y'all just lost y'all goddamn minds. So I'm going to make an adjustment to this screen real quick. I'm going to put us over here because I'm going to put this video over here. So I'm going to start with the Trevor video first. And then I'm going to finish with the other one. But I want the Trevor video to go first. So, ladies and gentlemen, y'all, I'm going to play this video. I may not play all of it, but I want to play enough of it for you guys to get the gist of why this video is relevant right now. It looks like the world owes Trevor Bauer a big apology because yesterday the former Major League pitcher for the Dodgers and 2020 Cy Young Award winner finally settled the legal dispute stemming from 2021 in which a woman accused Bauer of beating and sexually assaulting her. Now, by settled, attorneys said both sides withdrew their claims and no money was exchanged. So just to be clear here, the woman did not get a dime, just as Bauer intended all along. The former Dodger was not willing to pay off his accuser despite her several attempts because why should he? He knew what actually happened, saying he never committed a crime in any shape or any form. And it turns out it was after that settlement occurred, Trevor was able to finally vindicate himself and prove what he had been saying all along. Before MLB placed him on the administrative leave list and handed down a 194-game suspension reduced from 324 games for violating their domestic abuse guidelines, and before he was painted as a sexual predator to the entire world. That, of course, that he was innocent. And that this woman, his accuser, was nothing more than a liar, taking advantage of the Me Too movement to try and earn a big payday. And Bauer's evidence was a bombshell. Listen to it for yourself. Next victim, star pitcher for the Dodgers. A text Lindsay Hill sent to a friend before she ever even met me. What should I steal? She asked another in reference to visiting my house for the first time. The answer, take his money. So how might that work? I'm going to his house Wednesday, she said. I already have my hooks in. You know how I roll. Then after the first time we met, net worth is 51 mil, she said. Bitch, you better secure the bag, was the response. Uh, but, but how was she gonna do that? Need daddy to choke me out, she said, being an absolute whore to try to get in on his 51 million, read another text. 
Then, after the second time we met, former Padres pitcher Jacob Nix told her, you got to get this bag. I'll give you 50000 Lindsay replied. Her AA sponsor asked her at one point, do you feel a tiny bit guilty? Not really, she replied. Since then, her legal team has approached me multiple times about coming to a financial settlement. But as I have done since day one, I refuse to pay her even a single cent. Uh, in August of 2021, Lindsay Hill's claims were heard in court. And during those legal proceedings, critical information was deliberately and unlawfully concealed from me and my legal team. Uh, information like this video, which was taken by Lindsay Hill herself the morning after she claimed she was brutally attacked, emotionally traumatized, and desperate to get away from me. Uh, and now we have the metadata, so there can be no dispute. Uh, it was taken mere minutes before she left my house on the morning of May 16th, 2021, without my knowledge or consent. The video speaks for itself. One of the statements that he made in that video, that his accuser said she was going to get him to choke her out and then extort him. And guess what, guys? That's exactly what she did. And the interesting part, no one for a second question. All right. So you guys got the gist of what the fuck just happened. So, DJ Michael B, what's your uh, initial thoughts on the video, the, on the fuckery, not the video, the fuckery that just was that just went down there? Well, first of all, I want to applaud the 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 lady that uh, that was in the video for breaking it down so wonderful. Um, I'm gonna speak on this for like two minutes, and then I'm gonna let you have the floor because I know you have a lot to unleash on this. So, false accusations, defamation of character. This dude got suspended for over 300 games later on to be reduced for violating a domestic abuse policy that he never violated in the MLB all because you opened your mouth and you tried to destroy this man's career for the sake of you wanting a payday. This has to be the biggest heist job since the, the girl said the high school football star raped her and he went to jail for it. So, real quick, this is what I'm going to say. All the time that y'all were going to give Trevor Bauer, if he was guilty, you need to give it to that bitch. You, you are like the scum of the earth. You know, I have this thing I tell people all the time, and I, I want y'all to listen to this very clear. You have a dumpster. You have the trash bags in the dumpster. At the bottom of the dumpster, you have dumpster juice. Oh, no, 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 no. But then... At the very, very bottom of the dumpster, you have the rust that sits there and rots in dumpster juice and forever. That's what that bitch is. I don't care. I don't care if anybody feels any kind of way of me disrespecting like that. I don't give a fuck. You don't deserve no respect. You're a hoe. You're a gold digger. You're a scumbag. And if they put you in jail, I hope you're right there. Very... Very well said, sir. That's the nicest thing way you could have put that. So allow me to simply add to, or in this case, pour it on. So this happened back in 2020, 2021, during a very important time in our life, during what's called the Me Too movement. So this gold digger, as DJ Michael B. so eloquently called her, took advantage of the fact that the Me Too movement was going on. So allow me to educate those who have since then forgotten 
The Me Too movement was a global survivor-led movement against sexual violence dedicated to creating pathways for healing justice, action, and leadership. So if your life was forever changed by sexual violence, these this group, the Me Too movement, was there to support you and there to help you. Absolutely 1,000% love everything that the Me Too movement was about. I loved it because everybody needs something to stand on. And I'm glad that there was a group out there that was willing and able to help those who were actually victims. 100%. So this has nothing to do with attacking the Me Too movement because I'm not doing that. But here's what I am going to do. This dumb heifer took advantage of something so beautiful to look out for those who were truly victims and tried to make herself a victim to secure a bag that she was never entitled to in the first place. And what blows my mind is the when I watched that video, before I even sent it to you, I watched the video and I was like, I need to watch this again. I missed something. Like something, there's no way in hell. Her legal team purposely withheld stuff from him. And then I started them like, how did he get all these text messages and all this shit? Because this is literally, this is the T. Like, I'm taking all of that and I'm taking our ass back to court. Because that by itself should win a defamation suit. Because the question was like, how are you going to secure the bag? I'm going to make him choke me out. I'm going to have him make me his whore. The fuck? So what you're saying is you had a plan, which is premeditated, ladies and gentlemen, premeditated. Last time I checked, premeditated is not a good thing. Typically, it's tied to a crime. So you had premeditated blackmail and extortion in a sense, in a matter of, I know extortion has to do with businesses and millionaires and stuff like that, but you're extorting a millionaire. So it is kind of blackmailing and extorting a millionaire. This man had a high net worth. Trevor Bauer, prior to all this, was a pretty damn good baseball player. Let's just keep it, let's keep it a buck. He's a Cy Young winner. Like, I'm just saying, he was a Cy Young winner. They don't just hand that shit out like candy. Like, if you won the Cy Young, you were the best fucking pitcher in baseball. That's what that means. That means nobody had better a better ERA than you. You probably led in strikeouts. Like, you probably did all the things. You, I think that same year, Trevor Bauer also had, I want to say, a one or two no-hitters that fucking season two. Like, Trevor Bauer had a damn good season the year he won the Cy Young. So he was doing this. His trajectory was going up. And once again, once again, a star athlete, male or female, was taken advantage of by a gold digger. Career was put on pause, damn near ruined. Well, in this case, Trevor Bowers might be ruined. Um, Mike, I'll get to that part here in just a second. But you went into this with the intentions of securing the bag. The fuck? So you knew you didn't have a, a, a shit pile to stand on, but yet you had your legal team go at this man and say, hey, man, let's, let's settle out of court for cash. Let's do this. No. First of all, fuck that. Third of all, kudos to you, Trevor Bauer, for standing on your fucking on your own on your own ten toes, bro. Because that's hard to do. You said I'm not paying her shit. You said I know I'm innocent, and I'm gonna let the court do what they do. I don't know. It, it's 2023. This shit happened in 2020. My man was in a legal battle for three years. Only a millionaire can do that because you got the kind of money to pay these lawyers. Because I don't. I a normal man can't do that. A normal person can't do that because they ain't got the bread to do that. So kudos to you and kudos to your legal team for, for being patient. And boy, when this shit dropped, I can't believe, first of all, I still want to know how he got all this shit. Like, I'm guessing the friend that she was texting must have sent it to him. 
or they finally were able to legally seize her social media records and her text messages meet it all. They she probably got subpoenaed. Do you they understand? Probably got subpoenaed. Everything that you said was is incriminating, hundred percent. And the fact that thus far, from everything I've read, she is still currently not serving a lick of fucking jail time is fucking beyond me. Because everything that Micah said, yeah, yeah, she deserved it. She deserved it. Because in what world is this is right here? This is PhD level catfishing. When are we gonna start prosecuting these people? Because she ain't the only one. It's a lot of cats out there on social media that only target rich people, rich men mostly. It's a lot of it's a lot of women that target rich men for this reason, that reason, or the other reason. Like again, and we're gonna continue talking about celebrities. Why well, I applaud a guy like Steven Jackson. Stephen Jackson didn't get married because his fiance wouldn't sign the prenup and she delayed the process. And I understood completely what he said. He said, listen, before I met this woman, I had already had an NBA career. I had already solidified. I got a lot of businesses. I have a lot of equity of things that I have done on my own before you came into the picture. I want to secure and protect my assets. You as the partner, why would you be even remotely offended by that? Why would you think you're entitled to any of that at all? You weren't there during the struggles. You weren't there in his basketball career during the injuries. You weren't there when he built these businesses and hoped for investors. Like you, you were there for none of it. And in the case of Trevor Bauer, you weren't at the training camps. You weren't at the strength conditionings. You weren't at any of the injuries. You weren't at the rehabs. You weren't there when he had these major losses. Like you were never there at all. Mm -hmm. So what makes you think you're entitled to any part of that $51 million? You're not. We live in a world where people are far too motherfucking entitled. I'm sorry. You ain't entitled to shit. Now, if you want, and, and here's what's crazy, right? We're going to have this discussion. We kind of talked about this two real talks ago. We talked about the prenup things. We talked about it with Jeezy and his wife. People yep. people hear the word prenup and it's like, ew, it's a bad word. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. You realize there are multiple provisions you can do to a prenup. You can literally design the prenup to where you maintain your current assets and they're yours. Now, anything that you acquire during the length of the relationship is the only thing that can be, quote unquote, divided or discussed. Mm -hmm. You can do that. So. Prior to our relationship becoming official, I look at it like this. Let's just say for the sake of this discussion that, that Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey get married. You don't think Taylor Swift wouldn't think about protecting her assets? She has more money than, than Travis Kelsey, considerably more. You don't think she wants to protect her assets? Travis Kelsey may not have near the assets, but you don't think he wants to protect what he has? Yep. What's wrong with that? Now, if they decide to come together like uh, George Kittle and his wife and have the sunglasses company and the apparel company and do all that stuff together, okay, that makes total sense that if something was to happen, y'all divide those assets. That makes perfect sense. But prior to when you two come together, your individual wealth, for the most part, is yours still. So why, why are we negotiating? If you came into this with a net worth of, I don't know, let's just say $60,000 for whatever fucking job you do, and I'm in this thing with 51 mil, what the fuck makes you think you're entitled to that shit? We ain't married. We ain't got no kids. You ain't entitled to shit. You lucky you got this dick. Yeah. 
<laughs> tell him. Tell him. Like the fuck? Like no, no. Like that's fucking. Be- that's beyond me. So I hope he takes her back to court, and I hope he. I hope she just whatever kind of little net worth she got. I hope she get dismantled. Point blank. Period. Like, man. You know, as I'm reading this ESPN report while listening to you, and there's there's something in here that just it 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 pissed me off because obviously. This happened. I don't. I'm gonna I'm read what it says. I'm listening. In, in April of 2022, Trevor Bauer and Lindsey Hill, Trevor Bauer sued Lindsey Hill for defamation and what turned out to be an outstanding resolution for Lindsey. Neither Lindsey nor anyone on her behalf paid anything to Bauer, not a single dollar. Even better, Lindsey received $300,000 from her insurance company. Based on that payment, Lindsay agreed to settle the lawsuit. Now, here's the shit that pisses me off in this article. This next line. Now that the lawsuit is over, Lindsay looks forward to helping others in the same situation. What situation? This was in 2022. Mind you, this is, this is the report from 2022 when he countersued for defamation. Okay. Okay, this is before we know what we know now. So once she got her insurance money, she kept the fucking narrative going and said she looks forward to helping others. And this is what she said in 2022. Bruh. There was I, a video during the video that I just played of her in bed with him gloating, talking about, you know, oh yeah, look at you ain't got a single choke mark or none of that type of shit on you. So, I'm going to say this, and I probably shouldn't, but I'm going to say it anyway, because it needs to be said. I don't, for the rest of the time that I have a heartbeat, a pulse, and all this shit, want to hear another female talk about the world being sexist. Because to this fucking day, in situations like this, the women get away unfucking scathed. Not a single punishment, not a fine, not a jail time, not a nothing. In all these instances, even in the even in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard situation, Amber Heard is still in the fucking Aquaman film. Miss me with that sexist shit. I truly want equality, truly, which includes the punishments. I want equality, 100%, because I want fuck around and find out to be a real thing. You oh, fuck around, man. you need to find out. You know, times like this, it makes me it makes me wish we could just go back to the old days of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, because a lot of you out there, with second guess yourselves on what the hell you're going to do. Some of y'all just need some, uh, y'all just need some, uh, some thug ass family members. And I don't mean no. like, I don't mean like thug thugs. I just mean like your ignorant ass family members that are just act a fool on your behalf. Like some of y'all just need that in these types of situations. So I could only, 
I can only imagine your sisters and some shit was was happened. <laughs> no, my brother. No, I, no, no. My sisters be ignorant, ignorant. Not even ignorant, ignorant. Like ignorant. Ice Cube said, get ignorant. Like that's Ooh. what would happen. Oh shit! So, I know I didn't play the. I know I didn't play the video for the first one because that's not the the main reason. It's this second video. Yeah. It's truly this second video because just like Micah said that I, you know, I had a lot to say and I, and I kind of did, but I have a feeling what he has to say. Is oh, I got a, a whole lot to say. I got a lot to <laughs> say too, but I feel like what he has to say is just going to be next level. Now I'm going to play the video. All right, so just like this last one, I'm gonna let this video play. We probably won't listen to all of it, but we're gonna listen to enough of it for you to get the message that we about to drop on your ass. So here it is. His black card needs to be revoked. The minute he opened his mouth and said this. If you look in the hood, there's liquor stores and check cashing places. You know why? because they know that the people in the hood aren't smart enough to open up bank accounts. The internet has been buzzing with drama recently, and the focus of attention is none other than the comedic superstar Kevin Hart. In a recent appearance on Grant Cardone's Power Players podcast, Kevin Hart broke away from the usual discussions about his entertainment career and instead delved into topics related to his businesses and entrepreneurial ventures. Have you always had that discipline? With money? Yeah. No. No, you gotta f off to know what to do right. Notably, a segment of the conversation that caught significant attention on social media was Kevin's perspective on how systemic racism contributes to the perpetuation of poverty in disadvantaged neighborhoods. Because they know that the people in the hood aren't smart enough to open up bank accounts. They're going to get a check, they're going to cash it, and it's a liquor store right next to it. You're going to get your check and you're going to buy this liquor and then you're not going to have no more money. In the now infamous clip, Kevin Hart takes the stage to address the issue of how the government and big businesses explore the lack of financial literacy in low-income communities. We don't want you to gain credit. We want you to be cash-driven. That's how we keep the poor. First and foremost, Kevin Hart's comments are problematic because they rely on harmful stereotypes and generalizations about residents of low-income neighborhoods. By insinuating that these individuals aren't smart enough to open bank accounts, he oversimplifies the complex factors that contribute to financial difficulties in such communities. It's a classic case of victim blaming, and it didn't sit well with many. Furthermore, Hart's assertion that liquor stores and check cashing places are strategically placed to keep people cash-driven and poor comes off as conspiracy theory-level thinking. While it's true that predatory financial services can target vulnerable communities, the situation is far more nuanced than a simple scheme to keep people impoverished. Structural inequalities, historical disadvantages, and discriminatory lending practices also play significant roles. Then there's the audacious claim that, we don't want you to gain credit. This implies that financial institutions, the government, and big businesses are all in cahoots to keep low-income individuals from building credit and improving their financial standing. Such a sweeping statement is not only misleading but also lacks substantial evidence to support it. Additionally, Hart's comments conveniently overlook the numerous efforts and initiatives aimed at promoting financial literacy and inclusion in underserved communities. 
Many organizations, both nonprofit and for-profit, are working tirelessly to provide financial education, affordable banking options, and resources to help individuals break free from the All right. I just I just had to yeah. All right. Before we get so 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 appreciate you for coming through Moolah's. Moolah said simply, Kevin's not lying. <laughs> and, and Kevin's facts. So first of all, we're going to switch roles here. Like I said, no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say what I need to say for my little bit of time. And I'm going to let Micah just take the fuck off. Oh, so, yeah. So first of all, the narrator sound like she ain't got not a lick of education talking about the fuck she was narrating in the first place. She sound like she was privileged. First of all, let's just start with that. Secondly, not a single thing that Kevin Hart said was false. Not a single part of it was false. None of it. So... I'm gonna keep it very, very local. I'm gonna keep it to Baytown, Texas, where we was, where we from. There are there was a neighborhood in old Baytown where you could go to the convenience store and buy cigarettes individually out of a 20 pack. Mind you, it's 20 cigarettes per 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 package. You could go there and buy one. Guess what else they could do? Cash your check. Like He's not wrong. Now, did they all have liquor stores? No, but they had convenience stores, which carried alcohol and lottery tickets and cigarettes, which are three things that low income. I'm not even saying like just black people, just low income individuals, lottery tickets, beer and cigarettes. Three things that low income people buy all the fucking time. Why? Easy access. Point blank, period. It had an ATM in there, too. And guess what? You know, how often the ATM got used very fucking rarely. But the people that use it, guess what you got charged? $3, take your own fucking money out. So you didn't need a check cash in place because convenience stores like, man, fuck that. I can just cash checks here. So now, instead of doing what Kevin Hart was just talking about, these convenience stores just say, well, I'll just cash all the checks. I can do that. I got the bread for it. I got a safe. No big deal. So we've seen this. Me and Micah talked about this before we made it into what we're making it now. And I'm like, I didn't get my first credit card until I was 22 years old. 22. And it was a student credit card at that. I had this much knowledge about the fuck credit was. Didn't know shit. Took me 14, about 14 months. And I damn near maxed that card out while I was in college. Just about. I was pretty damn close. I was about 80% spent, give or take, because of my, my financial literacy. I was not very smart when it came to credit cards, how they worked, all that type of shit like that. I bought a vehicle. Didn't understand what financing meant. Didn't understand what the interest rate was. Didn't understand none of that shit. Bought my first car. That motherfucker had a 21% interest rate on it. My first car payment was $600. Didn't understand. Then I had to get insurance on that motherfucker. And that insurance on top of that car note, guess what that means? I'm paying damn near a thousand dollars a month for my vehicle. Thank goodness we're not in the we wasn't in the inflation world that we in now. Cause at least my apartment wasn't that expensive back then. But I didn't know. So I'm one of those people. I I you know, I was like that too. I got a lot better with credit cards where I understood them a lot better and I felt better about them. But <clears throat> I was one of them people that was a server and a bartender growing up. And I got a lot of cash tips. I wasn't depositing that shit in the bank. 
I had this shit in a motherfucking shoebox underneath my bed. Or I had that shit in the top drawer of my underwear drawer in my house. We know when I was staying with my mom still. Because that's how I bought my one of my cars was with cash. Or if I really, really wanted something, I was able to just do that and save it. Yeah, I had direct deposit for my checks, but my cash, now I kept all the cash. I kept all the cash. If I wanted to go out with the fellas, if I wanted to go out with DJ Michael B and company, I brought the cash with me. I wasn't bringing, I wasn't bringing a debit card or a credit card or shit like that. I was bringing the cash with me. Because if anything happens, I still have money in my bank account. No big deal. So to attack this man who's from Philly, which if you know anything about Philly at the time that if you knew about anything about Philly at the time that he was there, and then you got us from, from Baytown and then the the cats that we knew those from all the different parts, the various parts of Houston and all this other shit. I'm like, hold on, fam. You ain't grow up in these areas. You don't know what the fuck that you're talking about. You didn't see this shit on a day-to-day. It was nothing to live in, in the hood in an apartment complex better walk down the street to a convenience store. Because it was conveniently down the fucking street. It's funny how it's called a convenience store. It's the most inconvenient thing on the planet. Everything's more expensive. Alcohol's more expensive. Cigarettes more expensive. The normal, if you ran out of toilet paper and used some emergency toilet paper, you're paying four to five dollars more for that toilet paper at the goddamn convenience store. Paper place, you're paying three to four dollars more. Like, there's nothing convenient about a convenience store at all. I'm done. Okay. Um you uh you certainly hit that shit on the head. Um I'm happy you I'm happy you personalized it because it's gonna make my uh what I'm about to what I'm about to break down here I can use more of general relations than uh personalizing because I didn't know if you were gonna generalize it or personalize it. So I'll take the generalization side. Let's start off at the at the very top. Oh, not the very top, the very end, when she says Kevin Hart is playing victim to systematic racism, this and that. So I'm I'm gonna talk about the black low income side, and I'm gonna talk about the just the low income side and, and all together in one. Let's talk about the, the black low income side. We're playing victim to a system. Let me explain something to y'all. Starting off. When blacks were set free, we were already at a disadvantage. We were given nothing, absolutely nothing. If you know anything about land and equity at this point in your lives, because I'm this show ain't for fucking kids, so I'm pretty sure there's some adults here. Land, houses, equity. Land, houses, equity. You develop a cash flow just from having land. Blacks didn't start off with a cash flow just from developing land because we weren't given land. They ask some black people out there working for 25 cents a day. They save it up. They got a small piece of land. They build their own houses. And here's when we get to my favorite part about uh, low income and, you know, still dealing with systematic. Of, of When Kevin Hart said that he knows black people isn't smart enough, he, he probably chose the wrong word saying they know black people aren't smart enough. But that's probably what these people are thinking. His, the, the term that he was really aiming for is black people aren't financial, financially illiterate. Let me tell you why. Again, here's some systematic racism for that ass. Real quick, Mr. GQ, between May 31st and June 1st, a two-day period in 1921, there was a place that's still around because it's a city called Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm. So with Tulsa, Oklahoma, 
we had this thing known as Black Wall Street, where Black people were thriving, financially literate. They understood how to do, how to save their money. They were in banks. Was credit around? No, because you couldn't really track credit then. But I'm pretty sure they had the ways of knowing who was actually going to pay who and who was actually going to pay on time or whatever they needed to do. Because a lot of it wasn't really revolving around money back then. It was still more like a barter and trade system overall. Yeah, for the most part. So when black people started to thrive without without the the white America, what did they come and do? To this day, it's called the Tulsa Race Massacre. They came through and burned down Black Wall Street because black people started becoming financially literate and learning how to do things on their own, save their money, building up their community. You come through, you burn it down. After you burn it down, we're in school all together because at one point we couldn't be in school. When we're in school together, you segregate. When you segregate now, white kids are getting financial literacy as courses in their school. It's, it, it is, yes, banks, hospitals, and schools too. Absolutely. Yep. So, yeah, they bombed it. I just said burned it to the ground just because that's pretty much, that was the easier way for me at the time to, to, to explain it. So, here we go now. You segregate the schools. They're getting better financial literacy courses. They're getting, they're learning how to do taxes. They're learning how to write off things on their taxes. Black people were just, we're thankful to be able to learn math. We're thankful to be able to read and write. We're thankful to be able to communicate now because for the longest time, it was the biggest privilege for a black person to be able to read and write. Whatever. Move on from that. Integration happens. Financial literacy now on in school is how to write a check. It's not about how to build wealth. It's just about how to write a check and how to do your taxes. They take the financial literacy part out, but you know who got the financial literacy part? Was the whites with grandparents that were in those schools and they passed it down and then those people passed it down to their kids while our people aren't trusting the system no more because just 40 freaking years ago when we started thriving, you burnt it to the goddamn ground. So, what grandma and grandpa do, they're not taking a chance no more. We're going to take our money we make it, stick it under the mattress, put it in the shoebox, put it in the drawer. We don't want to take the chance now when we deposit our money into a bank, it gets taken away from us because we don't trust this shit no more. Because that's what happened last time. History, they were afraid of history repeating itself because that's what normally history does, it repeats itself. So let's, let's jump forward now to what Kevin Hart said, I, I just wanted to break down the systematic racism part about it because the, the narrator was acting like she was too stupid to know what was going on. And she probably, she's not too stupid to know. She probably just chose not to learn that part. That or she was AI and just said what, you know, she was told to say. Correct. That, that's probably true. So now let's get to just low income period. I live in McNair my whole life you know what i'm saying not necessarily a hood but a low-income area for the most part so she's brought up there there are courses and things to teach black financial literacy i've lived in the same place my whole life i ain't seen one yet now we had a corner store Joe Willies. I know you know Joe Willies. Joe Willies is owned by a black man from Magnet, built it from scratch, stocked it. He wanted us to be able to come to his store 
and just pay regular prices and be there for the people that ain't got. So when Joe really started thriving a lot, the first time his store got burned to the ground, literally got burned to the ground. The second time they planted drugs in this man's store and then seized the property. So what did they do now? That, didn't he get replaced with the, um, with, with like the Texan convenience store or whatever the fuck? By Absolutely. The yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, so yeah. you know. So personal experience here, there's no financial literacy courses, but I mean, he saved up his money and built it from scratch. Had he known about credit and things like that, I'm pretty sure once he got later on in life, like we have now, because knowledge is easy to access now. Back then, I mean, you had to go to the library, check out a book, read over it, then find somebody that was willing to teach this and that. But anyway, as we keep diving and diving into low, diving and diving into low income areas, Joe really didn't do check cashing. But you know who did? The gas station around the corner. Check cashing, cigarettes, alcohol. ATM. Not being used, but like you said, when it's being used, 450 to take money out the ATM for your Damn, own money. 450 pre inflation ain't that a bitch for, for, for your own money? So, all I'm trying to do is encompass this thing here. So, now, as I said, I live in Mackney, which is a, a hood area. What do we do now? Because when it's time you want to move out of the hood and you save so much money you're not financially literate to know hey i got this much i'm gonna go to the bank and take the loan out oh shit but what about credit you don't have credit you never dealt with credit okay take this credit card to build your credit score and then come back to us when you reach a 620. you take the credit card you don't understand the credit card you don't even understand the fact that hey you're not supposed to use a certain amount of percentage on your credit card so you can build your credit and if you are going to use over that if you are going to use over that amount, you better pay it back right at the end of the month. When your bill is due, pay it all, pay it down to that percentage that you need. You don't know that because you were never taught that because it was taken out of the schools. But you know who got that? The people whose parents own land and equity system before blacks could even own anything. Now, for those of you who are seeing boys in the hood, let me explain you what gentrification is. Because this goes outside of blacks and it's just low income areas. Low-income areas have bad financial literacy. You go in, these people haven't paid their taxes because, hell, they probably don't have the money to do it in the first place. They bought the house not understanding, hey, there's taxes on this land. You still have to pay the taxes to live in this house. Even though you own the house and you own the land, you still got to pay the government all the time to do this and that. So what does the government turn around and do? They go in these places, they pay off the back taxes own the land now because they paid off the back taxes, force these people out, put them basically in, in apartments or other low-income areas, build this area up, and transform it into something else. That's where it got to the point now where you have places like, uh, what is the, the company my dad works with? A Agriculture Association of America, something like that. They, they go around and they go into these low-income areas and rebuild. And I told my dad to stop doing work with them. He was like, no, it's a good thing. Okay, fine. They rebuild now. And because you're not, if you're not financially literate, you don't know this. They rebuild now. And when they rebuild, guess what happens to your property value? It shoots up. It shoots up. 
And because your property value increased and you didn't increase it, when they come to appraise your house after, you don't realize how much taxes you're going to have to pay. And the taxes are too high for you to pay. Now. And Kevin Hart is absolutely right about financial literacy in low-income areas. He was not playing the racism card. He didn't say black. Uh, he didn't say black people weren't smart enough. He said people aren't smart enough in low-income areas. He literally did just. He just said people. Like he did not specify. So which because it was because because it's true. We 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 get so stuck in only associating low income with black in this country. Period. Period. Let's just let's just keep it real. This is real talk, ain't it? We yep. get so caught up in calling low income black that we forget that there are low income white families, Hispanic families, yep. Asian families, black families, Caribbean families, whatever group you want. We all got low income and high income sides. But we so yep. we put so much emphasis on black low income and Section 8 and housing because it's normally black people. Yep. Guess what? There are a lot of people who have financial literacy. There's quite a few. I was one of those for a very long time. But let me tell you this. I flipped around and I bought my first fucking house at 24 years old. Because yes, I learned some shit. I learned from my first credit card. I made some mistakes and I learned some shit. And I said, all right. Now I'm 34 years old and I'm on house number two. I'm planning yep. for my next house, which will be me buying land, like we just talked about, land. And some other things. Because me and my brother are going to buy a ranch and have a family compound. Because fuck that. So now, but it shouldn't be this difficult to have to learn something like this. This type of stuff should be taught, should be readily available. It shouldn't be gatekept like it is, because it's definitely gatekept, 100%. Because <clears throat> I'm fortunate, because of my other profession, I'm fortunate. I have a lot of benefits that I'm able to take advantage of that keep certain things from essentially making me broke, like my property taxes. They do not go up past a certain point because I have a certain exemption because of my profession. So you can appraise my house whatever the fuck you want. Guess what? I got this document that says my shit ain't going past a certain point. Mm -hmm. Nice try. Everybody ain't got it like that, though. So what about those individuals who, like you already talked about, get enhancements and improvements done to the houses and their property value skyrockets and all of a sudden you appraise it and it's 20% higher than it was a, la a year ago and now all of a sudden you've got to pay more property taxes because of this, that, and the other and you ain't got the extra funds to do that. Now what? Now you asked out on a property that you've probably been paying into for the last five, six, seven, eight years. Now you asked out from all that money you put into it because you don't get none of that shit back. You don't get none of you, when you get When you get booted out, you don't get none of that equity back. You don't get none of that money you put in. You don't get them closing costs back. You don't get none of that shit back. You just out. Yeah. And now to get to this uh, narrator who wanted to paint Kevin Hart playing the victim card. I guess she did not pay attention to the part where he said, I got money and I fucked it off. And he basically had to start over and make money again. So, no, he's not playing victim. He said he fucked it off. Which just shows to me, you just wanted to come in here and play the racism card and try to dismiss everything he says. So my question here to, to the narrator would be, have you ever lived in low-income housing to know? Because you sound like all you did was look up online and find a couple of things like 
well, look about this area. They have financial literacy classes here. And look about this one. They don't have a, a, a convenience store or check cash in place in the hood. Yes, we know that. We're speaking in generalizations. Like, and one, but I got. But here's the problem. <clears throat> this same narrator, she's probably never even set foot in a place like this. So she wouldn't even know what the fuck it was if she was there. But I don't even, <clears throat> I don't want to go after her as much as I want to go after the people that were on social media going after Kevin. Because I'm like, mm -hmm. I guarantee you 90% of those fucking trolls ain't never been nowhere low income. Because if you were, you would have agreed with what he said. He didn't say anything wrong. He didn't say anything that was demeaning to a specific group. He talked about low incomes and the struggles of low income people. There are history books about low income places. Look at the history of Detroit, Chicago, Houston, New York, Cleveland, parts of California, South Central, Compton. Let's go. Let, let, can we just we just start naming parts? There's Dade County in Florida. Like there are a whole bunch of places in in the world in the U.S. Let's keep it there. Then we don't even talk about. The crazy part is she tried to she tried to make it seem like. They do this and they and they and they go out there in school, but especially here in America, historically, yeah, that's it's be. been the same, literally the same communities for decades now. So what when you sit there and say, hey, they go out and they do this and they do that, and it's just like, well, if you're doing that, it, it's it's the same people, it, it's it's the same places that haven't benefited yet. So who's really educating who here? Because what you're saying isn't adding up exactly and it, it, it's it's really it's really annoying like i mean and for for her to sit there and just insinuate he was talking about black people and he just said low income he didn't say low income black no people. what it is is that people. that dumb heifer is insensitive because she heard what she heard and she insinuated that he was only talking about one specific group he talked about low income individuals. And guess what? In this current economy, you know who else is damn near considered low income? Me in the goddamn middle class, because it's very yep. difficult. The middle class have it harder than the low income class. Why? Everything is just just expensive enough for us to afford it, but not too much to where we can't make a normal living. At least if you're low income, you have government assistance and all this other stuff. So you're not living as bad middle middle class. I pay all my bills and do everything else, and I feel like I'm low income and I'm struggling. <laughs> yeah. Why am I in the middle class struggling and low income thriving? Because of food stamps. Why are cats on food stamps able to go buy steak and lobster and all this type of shit like that? Where it's like, come on now. Like, let's let's keep it a buck now. Like, come on now. <clears throat> and I mean, just... Here's what financial literacy taught me. Now that now that I read into it, what financial literacy has taught me is that a lot of lower income people that that don't have the the, the knowledge don't realize they get taxed a higher percentage than the people who have millions of dollars because that's how the rich stay rich and the poor stay poor. Middle class they get taxed even more because that's how the rich stay rich and the middle class stay middle class and don't get ahead. They like. I just found out a couple of years ago, which blew my mind. Did you know the NFL as an organization doesn't pay taxes? Blows your mind, right? Be because the NFL 
is non-profit. And they're non-profit because they're only an entity and the owners own everything. So the NFL as an organization doesn't have to pay taxes. Interesting. Which is a ridiculous thing and a ridiculous notion. Yeah. Blew my mind because of the way the contract is written, the NFL doesn't profit. The individual owners under that entity profits. Damn. Something about that shield, man. And you know who wrote that shit up like that? All them motherfuckers that are owners. Oh, you mean the billionaires? Yeah, all the billionaires that have their financial literacy from their grandparents that passed down from generation to generation because they had all that stuff back in the day already. So they already know how to be financial. It, it, it's, it, it, Kevin Hart said nothing wrong. That's the, the bigger picture is Kevin Hart hit the nail on the head. What was wrong was this woman trying to say he was playing a racist victim card. Like, no. it, that's a ridiculous notion. So, and for those of you that didn't know what Black Wall Street was, I hope I broke it down good enough for you. Because I hope you just go ahead and go get on fucking HBO Max. There's a phenomenal fucking documentary on Black Wall Street that you should just go educate yourself on. And this whole conversation will make a whole lot more sense. So first and foremost, we appreciate everybody for tuning in. Um, thank you all for listening to The Real Talk, times two for that matter, because that don't happen very often. Um, we try our best not to let, you know, one sub segment take over the other one. But like these two particular stories so happen to kind of happen right around the same ish time. Yeah. So it just kind of <clears throat> excuse me. So it kind of just happened that way. And they both just so happen to be borderline bombshells. And I don't think this one with Kevin Hart is over yet. So we'll keep our eyes on that one. Um, special shout out to the chat. Um you know, uh, Moolid, Zamora, um, Primetime, appreciate y'all for coming through, keeping it live per usual. Um, expect nothing less from you guys because y'all are dope, as always. Um, of course, special shout out to the greatest co-host, the man over here to my right-hand side over there, your friendly neighborhood I just, DJ. I just told you on Saturday I can't be the greatest co-host because you exist. Well, somebody got to hold that mantle, so. There you go. <laughs> but like I said, oh, per and, usual, and just the update. Yes, yes, I lost three times to this asshole. Yes, I did. I lost twice this weekend to him, and I lost last weekend to him. Yes. So the count is now 3-1, and I'm behind. Yeah. Just um, a little bit. But, you know, I wasn't going to say much about it. I, I I said what I said last week. I, I was more happy with last week's win than I was this week just because I was able to put an emphasis on, on things. But it, it, it was cool. It ain't over yet. That's the thing. It ain't the season just started. We are a quarter of the way through the season, so we just getting started. So sometimes it's good to win early, and sometimes it's not. We'll find out by the way this season ends. You know how it all mm -hmm. shapes out. Because I could fuck this could fuck around and be a, a, a Bengals Chiefs situation. You know, I beat you early, and then you beat me in the playoffs, and then I'm really gonna be mad. So you know, like <laughs> just calling it what it is. You know, and hopefully my normal oh, draft strategy is what it usually is, and hopefully around week. Eight or nine, my team starts to do what it's supposed to do and peak a little bit, especially in this dynasty league. I need this team to turn up like ASAP. I need my team not to turn the hell down. That's what I'm worried about. 
turned down for what? I should, and the crazy part is I, I tried to stay away from people that peak early, and these motherfuckers came out swinging. Yeah, no, I feel that. Like, that was hard. But um, be looking live to us next week. Um, DJ Micah B, you want to let them know what we got going down next week? Because we got something we got something special next week, man. Man, next week we have an interview with my boy from back in the day. When I say back in the day, I, this is one of the few guys I've known longer than Mr. GQ. My boy Rashard Creeks, a.k.a. Trey Cosmos, a.k.a. TC, rapper, teacher, entrepreneur, composer. He, he's, he's an amazing individual. Um, and I look forward to interviewing him about everything from music, teaching at KIPP. I just, I can't wait. It's going to be a good one. Y'all y'all would definitely want to tune in for this one. And make sure if y'all haven't caught it, man, y'all check that last interview out with Justin, man. That's huge right there, man. That's another big one. Um, and special shout out to him on them bringing a, a, a soon to be bringing a new baby into the mix. Um, special congratulations to that father to be right there. It's always a beautiful day when another father has come into the mix. And I also do want to give a special shout out to my, one of my day ones, my military day ones. We grew up in the military together. My boy, Anthony. He brought a baby girl into the mix, and Sunday we celebrating with whiskey and cigars, my boy, just like we talked about. So we're going to celebrate because we are both girl dads, and it's a beautiful thing. So we love that. We love each and every last one of y'all for checking out the show every week. Appreciate y'all for keeping the TikTok live and in color. All I'm saying is ever since we took that leave from, from the sidelines over there from inside the huddle, we ain't look back. <laughs> and it's football season, and we over there looking like Tyreek Hill running like this. So. <laughs> It's because of y'all that we keeping that going. So we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. DJ Mike could be any last words before we close out. Yeah, man. Uh, tomorrow, make sure you tune into DBT. Basket to Basket Monday show will be stopping in as a unit. It's going to go now. And, of course, mm. make sure on Friday you tune into the best football show you will ever hear on the Internet. I'm telling you, I listen. The in-depth analysis is so great. All these guys are educated in sports. They're educated in football. They know they know everything these analysis on TV will tell you. They've been doing it for their lives, bro. So make sure you check in to Inside the Huddle on Friday. And then, of course, Monday we'll be back here with Basket to Basket. Y'all already know what it is. If you missed out on Monday's show, you don't even understand what he's talking about. When he said the Basket to Basket crew finna pull up, Zamora, I hope you're ready. <laughs> I'm going I'm to I'm I'm leave it at that. I, I hope you're ready. I'm, I'm going to be watching. I'm be watching. I'm not. I'm not jumping in. I'm watching. I'm doing like I always do. I be trolling from the chat. It's my favorite thing to do because I show be because I was I was hard in the chat on Monday. Like that shit was funny. Like hibachi. that was some straight stir fry hibachi steak on medium rare type shit with the extra fucking teriyaki sauce on the end of it with the yum yum sauce. Like it was just like that. Like it looked straight up like some amigos in the kitchen with with it like a stir fry. That's how bad it was. So I expect nothing less tomorrow on basket to basket. Like DJ Michael B said, man, make sure y'all following us on all the socials, man. Y'all missing out on all the major updates. We always got stuff live coming for you. And coming soon is going to be a brand new intro video for Gentleman's Talk. We've been in the lab cooking, and it's going to be nice. I, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely proud of the work that has gone into this creation that is almost done. Just a couple more tweaks before it's officially perfect. We're not changing music, though. The music ain't changing. No, we're not going to be, like, undisputed. We're not – now, we might change music, but it won't be now. 
because we've been in contact with you fresh and you talked about doing an exclusive gentleman's talk you know theme song that's the only time we'll change other than that in my zone will always and forever be completely associated with gentleman's talk and that that's just what it is but other than that man that's all i got like i said i am the ceo of frfo they call me mr gq in friendly neighborhood dj dj michael b yeah when i'm in my zone i feel like i'm alone i feel like i'm unknown to the world that's full of clones my originality focus on principalities broken i'm loaning my heart and soul to the game that's scared to pay it back and failure is a motherfucker the strength to go on and believe